Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Hello beautiful people, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in Wednesday every single week for inspiration, how you can live free. everybody what's going on this is Nubia and I'm Francis and today we have a dope show (laughs) right so we have Rashida with us Rashida on the loose she took a mid-year a mid-career gap year that's what you would call it a mid-year correct that's like a tongue twister no I I, I like it why did you say that that was kind of because that was authentic a mid-year a mid-career gap year that's a tongue twister by itself say it It five times Mature gap year, mature gap year, mature gap year. I've written it like a thousand times, so you know. So you got it on lock. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rashida took a mid-career gap year after practicing law for major corporations. Although she loved what she was doing, something didn't seem right. So she was burnt out and didn't know what to do at the time. She made this radical decision to give it all up, leave her career, her 13-year-old dog, (laughs) and focus on transforming her life at the highest level possible. And we all met in Thailand. Yep. Chiang Mai. Yeah, at Spike Lee's casting call. I met you before that. Really? Oh, friend. Here we go. My bad. Enlighten (laughs) me. Here we go. I think I did. I thought we all met that one time at Spike Lee's thing. We may have, I don't remember whether we met there or I met, I knew your name before then. We have okay. a friend who brought you up. Okay. I knew yes, about both. Because when we met, you were like, oh, you're Nubia. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So you just. But we physically, all three of us met yeah. in Chiang Mai, Thailand at Spike like Lee's casting call <laughs> for the five bloods. Yeah. That's crazy. That is and, like a lifetime ago. Right? Crazy. And technically, you live in Mexico, and here we are in Mexico. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. It's like no matter where you meet people, you cross paths all, all around the world. Yeah, the universe is just funny like that. Someone else in Chiang Mai is in uh, Mexico right now. She was just in Mexico City. Now she's somewhere else in Mexico. And I'm like, the world, I mean, the travelers I run into, you keep running into them over and over again. Well, you'll be surprised. There's like six of us from Chiang Mai currently living in Mexico. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're in uh, different parts of Mexico. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Migration is real. What we're doing, my great. I don't know. <laughs> Just wandering through life, Lord. <laughs> so I'd like to call you the lady in yellow. I love the fact that you wear this beautiful <laughs> yellow just popping all over the place, all over my timeline. I'm like, there goes Sheeta. She stays popping. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, I love yellow, and I decided at some point that this is gonna sound vain. But I wanted to have a signature color, and I was like, I already have all of this. Let's just stick with it for a while and see how creative I can get with the same color. And I think part of the reason I really focus on that was because sometimes I get really, really basic. Like, I can do jeans and T-shirts every single day. And so to get out of being just jeans and T-shirts every you can't do jeans and T-shirts every day if you're doing yellow because then you're just wearing a yellow T-shirt every day. And so it was a way to step my game up a little bit. Well, it's interesting that you say that because they always encourage, like when you're out networking, to wear something a little bit unique and memorable, whether it's like a certain color lipstick or something around your neck, because then they'll, people will remember, oh, I spoke to somebody. I may not remember their name, but I remember they were wearing that bright yellow shirt. So it's like a, a connection for folks. So you got your answer something. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say, let's jump into how you just like was like, forget it, you know, because I understand the burnout. Mm -hmm. I won't say that I was burnt out like from work, but I was just burnt out from 
like everything, like being a single mom, an employer, an entrepreneur, a friend, everything. I just needed to like change my whole environment. And that's what prompted me to leave. So if you can go back to that moment where it was just like, you know what, something's got to give. Okay. What were you feeling and what were you doing back then? Mine is like a multi-step process, but I'll start back with like my job. So I, for the past last, uh, I want to say like nine years of my career, my job was to look at people's creative ideas. I'm a, I'm a lawyer and people would come up with ideas and I would tell them whether they could do them or not. Um, most of the time, these ideas, these are business people. So their idea is intended to make the company more money. And so there's this big force pushing it forward. Yes, we have to do this. Yes, we have to do this. And I spent most of my day being the bad guy and saying like, nah, nah, like, yeah, you can't do that. Like that. That's just like, no, like that's, let me tell you all the laws you're breaking if you do that. So I worked for one company where I got the nickname dream killer because it was like every day. <laughs> Killing people's Killing dreams, Rashida. Covered with your dream. He's like, nope. Nope. Try again. Nope. <laughs> nope, that's not going to work. Um, and after enough of that, it it's really hard to say no all the time. Like I, I compare it to when I worked at Nordstrom when I worked at Macy's. At, at Macy's, I worked at a cosmetic counter. And the answer to most customer questions was no. Like, no, you can't do that. And it became really stressful because then there's a conflict between you and the customer because the customer is not getting what they want. At Nordstrom, the answer was yes to everything. Now, I worked there 20 years ago, so these things might have changed. I don't know. But and it was so much easier to be empowered to tell the customer yes all the time because there was no conflict. You want something? I'll figure out how to make it happen for you. And you're, you're done. But with there was no yes. There was no like you can tell everybody yes in my job. It was every day telling people no. And so every day having fights with people and every day arguing and rehashing the same shit four or five times in the same meetings about the same no. And I'd have like company vice presidents coming at me crazy like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, it's my job to tell you no. So I'm going to tell you no. And it was all these emails and memos. And it's not that I didn't, I love the work. I didn't love the interactions that the work created. And I didn't always love the people I worked with because I, and I can't blame them for this. You know, it's, it's their job to push things forward. And it was my job to be the gatekeeper and being the gatekeeper is a really hard thing to do every day. So um, I was doing this in Ohio. I left Ohio to move back to California, which is where I'm originally from or where I grew up. I went back to the Bay Area where I went to school and I've been looking to get back there for a long time. I went to a company. I wasn't at the company long before I realized that their business model probably didn't have much chance of long-term success. So about a year and a half after I got there, they announced they were shutting the company down and laying everybody off. So that was a, a challenge in that I just moved to an area to do this work. And I, I worked in auto finance and no one else did that work in the Bay Area because it just didn't make financial sense to do it there. It was a lot because if, if you have to have a call center, if you have to have all these other people doing this core work, it made sense to do it in other parts of the country. Lots of companies do it in Dallas or in Detroit. And I didn't want to move to Dallas or Detroit and I didn't want to leave my industry. So looking for jobs was really hard. There wasn't really. And I was going to say the Bay Area is one of the most expensive cities in the United States. So to be without a job must have been scary, like mortifying. I got six months notice. I was going to lose my job. Some people just got one month, but they needed me because they didn't have anyone else who knew how to do my job. So I stuck around a little bit longer. And then about three months into the six months, I was like, oh, I should start looking for work. Didn't really find anything I was interested in. Started applying for jobs. But I was like, I don't want these jobs. Like, I'm going to interview for jobs I don't want just to have a job. And the apartment I was living in was a one-bedroom in Oakland. So it was like maybe eight or nine, maybe more train stops away from my job. So it wasn't like it was that close. It was like a 45-minute commute. And I was already paying like over $2,000 a month for the one-bedroom. Good Lord, child. Good Whoa. Lord, child. Yes. Wait, did you say first eight or nine stops is 45 minutes? Because you, you know in Mexico, it was like two-minute stops. So... But it's also like rush hour and people. And That's a lot of like stresses right there. And the walk to and from, you know. So there was a lot of stress about that. My apartment company decided they wanted to raise the rent and it was getting closer to 3000 And I was like, good Lord. And how long ago was this? This is... 2018. Jeez, so not that okay, long not ago. that long ago. So yeah, so I I didn't want to sign. I had to sign. My lease was up, 
So my lease was up on May 8th. My last day of work was like April 30th. And I was going on a trip on May 1st. I planned before the the layoff happened. So I had to decide, was I going to sign a new lease when I didn't have a job? I didn't have work that I wanted to do. Or was I going to do something else? And I was like, I don't want to be committed to paying $3,000 a month for over a year when I don't have a job. And so I got the idea of like, just travel for a while. And I thought it was a good idea. And it's something I always wanted to do, but it never felt practical to me. Like I knew a couple people who did it, but they were all young white women. They were all like in their early twenties and they spent half, I'm I'm a yoga teacher. So this is not supposed to be disparaging, but they spent half the year as a yoga teacher and the other half they traveled. And I'm like, first of all, how do you afford that? Like if you're, I know how much yoga teachers usually get paid. So that's what you're doing for half the year. How do you afford to travel for the rest of the year? You just didn't look like them. You didn't, you didn't resonate. It didn't, it didn't resonate in the sense that like I'm 20 years older than them. Mm -hmm. I've had a career for a long time. I been through enough. I've paid off enough student loan debt that I know that like I'm committed to this. Um, <laughs> like this is this is the life I chose. It's the life I I paid for. I can't just quit and like travel. But one of the things that happened when they when they decided to lay people off, they paid me double my salary each month to stick to stick around. So in six months, I earned what I would normally earn in a year, which was a blessing, which was a blessing. You know, you can't take that away. That was the blessing of it. Yeah, definitely. And so I had enough money to travel for a while when I checked my account one day and I was like, oh, I actually could travel. But then the fear set in and I was like, what am I doing? I don't have a job and like if I come back will I be able to get a job if I've been out of the industry for a while and this and that and I practical thoughts were just like running yeah yeah so at first I was like this is a great idea and then within like three days I was like oh no I could never do this so I was seeing a therapist at the time because I was stressed about work and so I went to her and she she was an interesting therapist in that she was very vocal about her opinion. You know, some therapists were like, oh, really? Tell me more. But she was like, no, girl, that's not a good idea. Like, she would just say stuff like that. I feel like, wow. Oh, oh, okay. Like, she had no problem telling you what she thought you should do. So you were that's looking in the mirror, basically, because you were doing that for your job beforehand. Yeah. And now it's coming back at you. And you're just like, it's like her, her own fears were coming up to the surface. That's what it seemed like. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. No, no, she didn't say that was a bad idea. She was saying other things. Like, I would say like, oh, I want to do this. And she'd be like, really? (laughs) But when I told her about this, she was like, it's a great idea. You should do it. And then I came back to her one week with my fears and she was like, you bullshitting. Like, you need to do this. <laughs> like, what? And we talked about it a little more. And I like, my lease was up, so I didn't have to pay rent. I, when I left Ohio, I had sold my house and didn't buy a new one. So I didn't have a mortgage or anything like any deep commitment like that. I wasn't in a relationship. And I, I think about it. And I listened to your guys' episode the other day about being single while traveling And I think about the people I have been in relationships with, and I can't think of a single one of them that would have said, like, this is really what you want to do. Go live your best life. Like, everyone I can think of would have been like, not us, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they want to be supportive, but they also don't want to lose the thing that they, the connection. Um, And so I I didn't have that going on. Uh, My mom was supportive. And the only thing I had to manage was my dog. And my my friend volunteered without me even asking her. My friend volunteered to take my dog. And so it was like, there's literally no reason for me not to go. And yet still I pulled back like, I talked to my therapist. I was like, what if I work for it? Like get another job and then work for a year. And then after I've saved up and I planned, because this is like a month before my job is over at this point. I was like, what if I, then after planning for a year, then I can go. And she was like, you're bullshitting. Like if you get another job, you're never going to do this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like anything could change. I could pop up with a baby or, you know what I mean? Like who know? who knows the things that like we tell ourselves are impediments to the life we want to lead. Who knows which one of those would have popped up for me and that would have prevented me from, I would have used that to prevent myself from doing what I wanted to do. And so I was like, yeah, like do it. Worst thing I was, my plan was to leave for a year, not come back to the United States, 
and then come back and figure out what I want to do next. And it's been oh, maybe like 19 or 20 months. And I've been back to the United States a lot more than I expected. Um, it's been about 20 months, but I don't see myself living back in the United States anytime soon, probably not in the next five years. And I definitely got myself going back to the industry I was in before. Well, how is it being back? Now, you have um, chronic illnesses, right? You talk openly yeah. about that. Can you talk about that part? Because I think some people would say, well, I'm sick or I have this, so I can't leave the States. Was that a piece that kind of was in your mind that was like, well, what about healthcare? So yes and no. So my chronic illnesses are usually triggered by foods that I'm not supposed to eat and then some random like stress and things like that. And so with my stress level being significantly down when I'm on a long-term choose your own adventure versus going to work and fighting through the um, fighting through commuting every day and everybody else, my stress level is definitely lower. And so that has impacted that in a really good way. There are some things like I have, I get really, really bad menstrual cramps, like associated menstrual pains. Like the last few months I was in the U.S., Every period came, I threw up. I passed out in the back of a shared Uber once, like just from the pain, just gone. Woke up like, where am I in the back of a stranger's car? And so one of the things I had to do, my doctor said the only way to deal with that besides having them cut me open and like take out a piece of my uterus to test it, which I wasn't into, you know, if we don't have to do any cutting, let's not do any cutting, was to take a birth control pill every single day. And so the question for me when I left was, how do I get my medication? I have a US prescription. What am I going to do in other countries? And that was one of the most practical uh, medical questions, I guess, that I had. But and I knew a lot of countries you get things over the counter. And so I've kind of become my own over-the-counter pharmacist. When I was in Thailand, I found a pill that was very similar in like the makeup of the hormones in the birth control pill. I bought like a 12-month supply so that if I was in another country, I could have that. And then I'd probably end up back in another country where I could get the same thing. So that for me was the biggest thing. Like what I do about my prescriptions. One thing I have had done is when people are, I've had some people meet me in some places and I just tell them before they come, like go to Walgreens and pick up my prescription. Here's my information. And they bring it to me. And so things that weren't as readily available over the counter, but things maybe I don't need a monthly supply of, it's just sort of like emergency medicine in case something happens. I've had that happen. I have had, um, I have some eye issues. I have had that flare up in Mexico. That was before I realized I was sensitive to corn. I can't eat corn or like irritates my body. But like I live in Mexico. So I was eating before I knew this, I was eating nothing but corn for like maybe like three weeks. Uh, what ended up happening was I needed to get like an injection in my eye to put steroids in there to calm down the inflammation because it was crazy inflamed. And it's happened before. Uh, before I realized it was associated with food and before I realized I had a corn allergy or sensitivity. And so I was staying at an Airbnb when this happened and I had the hostess. Was, it was the only time I've ever done a shared space at Airbnb. And I was so grateful I did because my hostess was there and she called a doctor for me and gave me the address and sent me on my way. And if I was trying to do this on my own, trying to find like, because I needed a specialist that could see me that day, looking online to find a specialist with one eye, because <laughs> I couldn't see out of the other one, calling around to find someone who was available. And all of the receptionists only spoke Spanish and my Spanish is okay, but it's not making an appointment with a special, like with a medical specialist. Okay, she did all of that work for me, and then she got. I got an Uber and I went and I found someone, and he was great. And it was like I got the prescription I needed from him. I got the visit. I think everything, all the follow up visits. And everything may have been like around $100, including the prescription. And it was like same day appointment. It was amazing. So I have had some medical issues flare up. But since I've left the U.S., almost every time I have a medical issue, it's when I'm back in the U.S. Like a year ago, I was here and I was supposed to go to Canada for Thanksgiving. And I had some crazy stomach thing happening this year. I was in the U.S. for less than 24 hours and my knee like blew out and no one knows how because I, I went to sleep fine and I woke up with a swollen and crunchy knee and then I had to get surgery. And from that, I'm here for like three or four months because of that knee. And if it had happened 24 hours earlier, everything, PT surgery, everything else would have been a lot more expensive if it ha had happened in Mexico. 
So it's kind of like, I don't know why when I come to the U.S. things happen, but it's the place where I've had the most problems. I'm wondering if part of that is if something happens in another country, I'm more likely to ignore it than when I am in the U.S. and I'm here and I I still have my medical coverage and I can get it checked out. So Mm, that's interesting. What do you think? I don't think so. Like the things that have have happened, like when I had the stomach bug last year, I could not stand up for three weeks. I could not, the last two weeks, I could not eat at all. I solid, maybe like a week and a half of just fluids. Like that's, that's not, you know what I mean? Like this is a legit, went to the ER twice. The first time didn't help. The second time it gave me a different uh, antibiotic and it helped, but it was just, I don't know if it was like not being used to drinking the water here or what it was, but something knocked me out. But it's funny, I always assume, like when I was sick, they were like, oh, where are you coming? Like they assume I get it elsewhere. Like, oh, this must have happened. You must have eaten something somewhere else. And I was like, no, I was here a week before this happened. And then it was like three weeks of continued illness. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I was actually talking to a friend of mine and she was visiting LA for the first time and she was there for a week and she was sick as a dog, it was just something that she ate, and then when she came back to the D.C. area, she was fine. So it's like, I don't know, you know? Um, but it's interesting, like, you've had all these things happen, and yet you still mustered up the courage to move abroad and travel and, and commit to your mid-career gap year. And you still will say, listen, I'm going back. Once once his knee is all good and ready, I am going going back. So I, I'm, I'm curious to find out, like, you know, where do you find that sense of courage and that to continue to move forward on, on the things that you want to do? We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We would love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. It doesn't feel like courage. So right now... I am in my mom's guest room and you can only live in your mom's guest room so long. Like <laughs> legit, like once, you know, I'm, I want to be, I like living independently. I like living on my own. I like having my own space. And so for me, the idea of having my own space now equates to living abroad. Like the thought of, I don't want to pay U.S. rent. There's nowhere in the U.S. I actually want to live right now. I want to go explore the countries. So my plan for next year was to maybe spend two months in a couple of different countries, going back to Mexico first. Because I left, I left Mexico with fully furnished apartments and all my stuff in it. And then the knee thing happened and I was like, oh, I'm not going to be back for like four months. I'm not paying rent for those four months. I had to have a friend pack up all my things. The apartment owner's let her in and she packed up all my things and they're in storage. But yeah, like I have I have an apartment full of stuff in Mexico. I want to come back down there. I want to get it. I want to set up my life again as I knew it. And then I want to go see more of the world. And it's not necessarily, like I said, it doesn't feel like courage. It feels like what I'm supposed to be doing. Like for me right now at this time of my life, it is it is what feels right. Yeah, it's almost like out, of ne- out of necessity. It's like, I need this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and so for me, like I thought it was a need. Living here with my mom for months has been interesting like like I said I'm enough of an introvert but I need definitely my own time and she's not like that at all and so we have that clash of personality Mm -hmm. but I'm learning things about her that I never knew because I haven't lived with her since I was a child I'm having conversations that I wouldn't have had as a child and so there's this bonding happening which is great which is great yeah my dad passed away last year in 2018 about Mm -hmm. two months into my gap year so when I went to see him say goodbye before I left because he lived in LA. So I flew down. He'd been sick for a long time. So he said, you know, this might be the last time I see you. And I, we both kind of had that moment of like, yeah, this might be it. And then within two months, he passed away. So I had planned on not coming back to the States at all. But then I was coming back for his funeral. Once I broke that rule of not coming back, I just came back whenever I felt like it. But it also made me want to not be too far from my only remaining parent for too long. I'm spending more time with her. And that's one of the reasons I chose Mexico. You know, she's 71 now. I want to spend some more time with her. So I wanted to be somewhere that I could get to quickly. She could get down to me quickly. 
I wanted to be able to come here easily. I have a goddaughter down here, cousins, so I can come to Florida, spend time with them, and really be with my family in ways that I couldn't be if I was back in Thailand or if I was in South Africa, which was my other choice for the year. So during this whole gap year, what are some things that you feel like you've learned about yourself or you discovered about yourself since since that whole experience uh, that maybe you didn't notice before? I think I'm a lot more sure of what what I want when I settle down, at least like the kind of neighborhoods I want to live in when I settle down. I've done a lot of traveling to different places and can see like what it is that I like. Like I like uh, a very walkable city close to a big city if it's not in a big city like or in Mexico City, I live in Roma Norte, which is nice. It's walkable. It's not like too busy. It's not too hectic, but it's still got that kind of crazy Mexico City vibe, which I like. So I've learned that about myself, which I, I didn't really know before. I don't think I knew how loneliness would impact me before traveling. My therapist told me that that was like the one thing I had to prepare for was like to be able to sit with loneliness as like a thing that happens and a thing that's okay to happen. And I've learned how to do that. But at first, I didn't recognize loneliness for what it was. Because like I said, I'm an introvert. I'm used to being alone. But after a few days, days it was kind of like oh have I really not seen another human for like four days what am I doing (laughs) or or times when I was in another country where I didn't see black people and I didn't hear English those were the two hardest parts for me so if I didn't see anyone who looked like me and I didn't see anyone who spoke I didn't hear my language being spoken but loneliness kicked in a little harder and a little faster because it was like I feel surrounded by foreigners and of course I've gone to a foreign place so of course I'm going to be surrounded by foreigners but I forgot I didn't realize how important it was to my psyche to have something familiar by me and so since then I've started like traveling with things that are definitely have a sense of homeliness to them the sense that like this is my thing kind of like little security blankets, you know, whether that's like a crystal or something else, that's something that is mine and makes me feel like this is my space. This is my thing. That's helped a little bit. But yeah, see, hearing English and seeing black people who speak English has been like one of the best things. You learn a lot about yourself because you have nothing but time with yourself. yourself. And it's time that you've never really had in the States because everything else was going on. It's like, you're an introvert. I have no idea what that looks like back in the States. (laughs) I learned how to be okay being somewhat of an introvert as I started traveling because I wasn't what I called uber extrovert, always around people, always wanted to be around. I like to thrive around groups of people, but Mm -hmm. being a traveler taught me that being alone is different from being lonely, number one. Number two is loneliness is a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it is a thing. And learning to be okay with my own company. Right. Yeah. For me, that was, I, I was okay with my own company or I thought I was more okay with my own company until, like I said, like a, it'd be a four day stretch and I'd be like, okay, no, I, I need, I need to see people. I need to talk to people. And then you have that, that conflict with time zones. Like I want to call, maybe I can just call someone I know. I spent a lot of time so far away that the time zones never really allowed me to connect people for any any meaningful conversations and so I have to find people where I am and so I started reaching out more in different groups I'm in to say like hey I'm here who's in this city that kind of thing so I could meet people there that was really helpful too I definitely relate to that because I'm a certified introvert and I love my solitude but even living in Japan Japan was definitely a place I think I felt the most loneliest uh, because of the fact that Japan is about nobody's English okay <laughs> everything is in Japanese every everything and so I found myself feeling extremely lonely and then uh, you know because the time zone is even worse in Japan it's even longer so making those phone calls and talking to people just didn't happen on a regular basis but I I believe that that like Nubia said that loneliness created the space for me to really get to know myself and to also be okay with it because I think a lot of people in the states they really don't understand what it means to be by themselves and do things by themselves like I have a cousin love her to death but sometimes she's when we go to the movies she's like oh we need to sit together and I'm like eh 
you know, if it happens, sure, you know, <laughs> like we don't always have to sit together. But people are just so accustomed to always having something or someone around. And what it happens is it becomes like a, a replacement for things. And when you're traveling and abroad, you can't substitute a lot for anything. No. And you, so you're just there and you just have to like always look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, there you are <laughs> with all your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and what is funny, because when I came to Mexico City, I was like, well, she is here. We were never able to get up before you left. No, but I'll be back. But I'm leaving. Uh, where are you going? Oaxaca. Okay. Well, I plan on going traveling around when I get back. So hopefully I'll run into you somewhere. Yeah. One of the other things that I, I learned when traveling is one thing that I always tell people who think about a journey like this is that your decision muscle becomes so much stronger because you're making so many more decisions. And at first it was exhausting to me going to a new, like first I was traveling to a new city like every week. And so trying to figure out where to get food, where's the grocery store, what what is the equivalent detergent that would make some sense to me for me to buy and you, all of those yeah. questions? It was always like, there are so many decisions to make. It's almost too much. And now it's gotten so much easier for me and so much simpler. I think because I care less because I realize that like none of these decisions are, are bad decisions. If I grab the wrong detergent and I can't read the label, I probably won't ruin my, like I'll probably figure it out. And if I ruin this load, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So I spent a lot more time on that kind of thing than I did before. And like when I first left, I was talking to my therapist again. One of the things I talked about was I have a lot of things, but I wanted to travel with just a carry-on bag. And I was like, but hair, right? Like, but black hair. Like, I need more problem. <laughs> And she was a white woman, so I don't think I don't know if she understood what we're talking about. But black women tend to have a lot of products, lots of conditioner, lots of moisturizing products. Unless, like Nubia, you have take, no, hair. no hair at all, no <laughs> hair, <laughs> brush. Um, and so I was worried about that. And one of the things in talking to her, I opened myself up to was a possibility that I might find something I like more while traveling. If I'm not reliant on the things that I know, I might find things I like more out there. I didn't. <laughs> Keeping it real. But I learned things about my hair. Like my hair hates protein, which I found out because I was trying all, like I had to try things I didn't try before. I spent more time looking at ingredients. Like, do I like this? Do I not like that? My hair hates protein. I never knew this before. I found it out by trying products and trying to like, I was in Mexico, so I was still reading in Spanish and like, okay, what ingredients are in all of these? I'm like, oh, now I get it. I never did that at home. I just used whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I saw enough ads for, I guess. Like whatever motivated me to buy it, that's what I used. I didn't think about what it was doing. But no, I didn't find anything I really liked more. I found out, found some American products that I really liked. Found them actually in Mexico, in a Walmart that carried a lot of US products. That's a lot of info about here for this little section. <laughs> Well, yeah, I wanted to just uh, touch base a little bit about you talking about decisions because uh, I had a coaching call with a coach and one of the things, and I was like trying to decide on a couple of things. I'm a Libra, I'm indecisive. Working on it, it's work in progress. One of the things that she said was like, no decision is ever a wrong decision, like ever. It's because, you know, we create that judgment mm -hmm. and put that judgment on the decision. All decisions are our feedback. Yeah. But the worst thing that you can do is to remain in limbo. Yeah. Like limbo is not a great feeling and it creates a lot of angst, anxiety, and it doesn't feel good. But the quicker you make that decision, the quicker you get the feedback and the quicker you can kind of like keep moving in whatever direction that needs to happen. So I just wanted to highlight that because a lot of people, one of the things that we realize from our guests or from our audience is that they have a hard time just kind of like making a decision because they're afraid or they're because of family, because of family, anything. They're yeah. just like really just sitting on things and just waiting. One of the things about me is as a tourist is that when I make a decision, it is full steam ahead. Feedback, I can't hear your feedback. Like I'm just like, I've made the decision, I am going. And so I think that's one of the reasons I have been so cautious about making the decisions. But on this journey, I've learned to be more open to seeing like the daily decisions. Like I said, when I left, I wasn't gonna come back to the States for a year, but quickly I realized like, okay, maybe, this, maybe that's not what your journey is meant to look like. And so having to make a choice, I feel like on this journey, once you sort of start this nomad life, almost every day is a decision of like, where am I going to live today? Like it's- Girl. We were just talking about this last night. That was her just life last night. 
Right. I was just like, well, I miss Thailand, but Mexico is cool. But right. I really was thinking about like you choose every day to day. I'm choosing. I'm making very big decisions for myself every day, and because I'm doing that, I realize that what I thought were big decisions are smaller decisions. Mexico, okay. Thailand, does it really matter? Aren't you going to go back to both of them at some point in your life? Like. <laughs> You know, like, yes, I'll go here one day. Yes, I'll go there one day. At some point, you know, it boils down to what you're willing to sacrifice in the moment to do the one thing you want to do the most. And I, like I said, I spend a lot of time thinking like, what is the right country for me to go to first and then next? And sometimes it's as easy as like, where can I get a cheap plane ticket to? Like what? It is that easy. Sometimes yeah. it comes down to that deciding factor. Seriously. <laughs> When I lived at home, most of those decisions were already set in stone. Where am I going to live? The place I pay rent. Where am I going to go today? The place that pays me show up every day so that I can pay that rent. And so many of those decisions are interconnected and in a loop that you can't get out of one without getting out of the other or like can't change one without impacting the other. You sort of end up set in your ways and set in your day and your habit in ways that you might not be if, when you have the freedom to do a little bit more of what you want. And that's what I found on my gap year was a freedom to not feel stuck by any one thing that every aspect of my life is in question every day. Who do I want to be today? Where do I want to be? And I think that allows you to see more of your core aspects of who you are and what you like. Because you're not you're not doing anything because you have to. You spend mm-hmm. time trying to figure out what you want to do. But let me ask you though, because this always the other side. Does that ever become exhausting for you? Because like for me lately Right. And I think it's because when we were in Thailand, we had a home base. It was more stable in a way. Right. The normal way of what stable looked like. And we had found a community and I had Francis there. So I had a roommate, somebody that I can talk to every day if I wanted to or whatever. But now that this year that I've been moving around a lot, it's kind of stressful in a way, you know, just packing up that suitcase. Even the thought of wanting to pack up my suitcase is stressful (laughs) to be honest with you. So I realize that I'm not the kind of person that wants to go to see a new city every week. That is exhausting. It's, It's too many. For me, it was just too many decisions. So for me, packing up each week and moving each week was too much. But I can do every couple of months. And that's good for me. But I think for me, it's when I hear what you're saying, it reminds me of where I was because I think I moved a lot in the beginning and then started moving slower in the end. And that's where I started finding more community and more of a slow travel kind of sense. But I realized that I didn't have to make that choice. So you're saying it's exhausting to always pack up and move, but that's a decision that you're choosing to make to pack up and move. And you don't have to make that decision to pack up and move. There's a variety of reasons for wanting to do it. And I'm sure they're all very valid, but you said, isn't it exhausting to do that? Yes, it is. But you're making the decision to do that and you have the freedom to choose something else. True. But I think sometimes like as a nomad uh, thought process is like, there's so much to see in such a short time. So when we're on a continent, we try, right? We're like, well, we're here, so we might as well go and do or see and be whatever. And then you start building community, you start meeting people who live on a different continent. (laughs) And you're like, oh, well, you know what, guess what? It's maybe winter on this continent, so I don't really wanna be here right now, so let me move over to this continent. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy because we have that, what you would call freedom. Right. It's about utilizing it. Because sometimes I feel like if I stay here too long, I'm not doing yes, but the nomad thing. The nomad thing. <laughs> are they? Are those your expectations, or is that are you trying to live up to somebody else's expectations of what nomad looks like? That's Bring a good question. Bring it to you. Okay, therapist. Ther- it's a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's interesting you said that because like being back in Boston and Boston, obviously, it's just not a place that I want to be 100% of the time. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, why don't I just go back to D.C.? But the thought of going through the process of getting an apartment, furnishing an apartment, paying that astronomical rent, I was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm really good. And it's, sometimes we do have to make those compromises and those trade-offs mm-hmm. because it's just uh, on the other side, it's just not worth it, well, at least for me. 
to do all that kind of movement. It's so much easier being out, out of the country mm-hmm. to move around like because then maybe, you know, I could just I can go get an apartment that's already furnished and it's okay. I don't have to worry about furnishing or doing all these things. So yeah, it's just like a trade-off. There's definitely trade-offs to each one. I was definitely in Nubia's position a while ago because when I first left, one of the biggest things I had in my mind was like, well, what if I have to come home earlier? What if I want to come home early? Like, then it won't have been a gap year and it won't be like what I told people I was going to do. And then I realized like, these people aren't paying my bills. Like, what am I, I can't live for other people's expectations. Like if someone is disappointed because I traveled for nine years instead of a year, like, do I really care? I'm like, why, why would I let their expectations matter to me? And why would they have expectations of my life? So at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. No, I totally get that. I try to live each day by what feels best to me. But I found that when I don't travel, I need to find a more medium ground. Um, when I was in Mexico City and I planned on being there for at least six months, there are so many tourist things that I didn't do because it was always like, I have tomorrow, I have tomorrow have tomorrow have next week have you know there's always so to your point when you get really comfortable in a place I felt the same way like am I really being a nomad am I really being an expat if I'm you know going to the grocery store sitting down at my desk and working on stuff eight hours today like why does it matter that I'm here now I could definitely relate to that because it's like I'm, I'm back home and I had no plans I remember I was listening to one of the episodes that we did and I was like I ain't coming back to the U.S. <laughs> And here I am. <laughs> so it's like, and then you kind of feel weird because you're like, oh, I'm not living up to that. But at the end of the day, you really have to do what's right for you. Like, what would be your one piece of advice? Because one thing about your travels is you created a whole brand around it. So Sheeta on the Loose is very informative. You share pretty much a lot of, you're very transparent about your own life and you share your thoughts on certain places, certain things. So what one piece of advice would you give to that person who is in that kind of same situation, right? Like not really happy at work, but needs to work because they have to use that salary to pay that rent that's already too high. And you know, they just have these thought process of wanting to do it, but they're having those beliefs that they can't do it right now in one day. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So pick your one day. That would be my advice. Pick a date. If you really want this, it won't happen unless you pick a date and work towards that date. If you're not sure you want it, start saving and see what happens. If you really want it to happen, pick a date, keep that date in mind and work towards that date. That means like saving. Maybe that means hustling and getting a second job. Maybe that means cutting down on your expenses. Maybe it means paying off debt quicker or slower, depending on what works for you. But if you don't pick that original date, that that this is the day I'm going to leave the country day, you will not go because there's always going to be another expense, another something, another trip that gets between you and what you really want to do. So the picking the date is my advice. And I actually have to give credit. I got that one from, from Stephanie Perry, Vicarious. Yeah, Stephanie's really cool. First time I talked to her, she said it. It's exactly what I did. I just didn't realize I was doing it. A friend of mine was having a birthday party in Mexico. And so I picked that date as my departure date. So I was going to start in Mexico and then start my traveling from there. If I hadn't done that, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know when I would have left. I think there would have mm-hmm. been like next week or something. Else. Or a baby, you know? <laughs> or a baby. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I love that when you said that pick your one day. Your one day. There's nothing wrong with just circling a date on the calendar and, and seeing what happens. Whether that's two months from now or two years from now, if you don't work towards it, it won't happen because this isn't the kind of thing that just happens to you one day. It didn't just happen to you too, did it? No. You didn't- Actually, our stories are very similar. I got laid off but I got laid off. The great thing about it was they were generous enough to give me three months worth of salary during that layoff. So you got six months, I got three, you know, I still had my health insurance for six months. So there were some things that allowed me to make the plan, but I was gone within six months. Okay. I planned it, but then I like, I dragged my feet for at least a good three, four months. 
And then I was like, sure, I'm just going to do it. And But mine was a, a slower process. Yeah. Did you ever have a date picked? Yeah, so I did. I went through a program, went through the TEFLs, because I was going to get my TEFLs. So I, I okay. went through a program, and they were like, hey, what's going on? Are you still interested kind of thing? And I never responded. I dragged my feet, all that fear and all that stuff. And I'm like, who am I to do this? Like, I don't know like what I'm doing that sort of thing. And then finally I was like, and my father passed away too. So our stories are quite similar. And I was like, man, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in my life if I don't do something radical. And so I just did it. Yeah. I think for me that the resistance that came up told me a lot about who I am, like what things in that moment I valued. I valued being a lawyer more than I valued practicing law. That makes sense. Like it was part of my identity because of what I'd done so long. It's what I'd paid my bills. But that's it was a vis- whole different conversation. That's a girl. whole other conversation. That's yeah. A whole nother that's conversation. a lot of people's stories. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to do this again and talk about identity. Yeah. So I, I now I rarely ever mention that because it doesn't matter to me. You know, in this yeah. space that I'm now, it has no value. So that was good. I need to, we need to circle back to that we seriously. Right. Because a lot of us tie our identity to a title. Yes. The work that we do. Yes, definitely. And once you strip that away, it's like it's fear. It's scary for people. It's scary, especially if it's something you've you've worked hard for or worked hard at for a long time. It's hard to imagine who you are when you're not that. Mm-hmm. It's important to figure out as well. Yeah. You know? Wow, geez. Okay. Well, let's just wrap this up with one more question that I really have for you. It's like, what's next? Okay. Well, I'm working on healing this knee right now. So what's next today is going to work out (laughs) my knee a little bit. But in the larger scale of things, what's next for me is to provide more coaching to people who want to do it. I've been doing that so far, coaching people about how to take their own journey like this. And next year, I'm planning on releasing some digital products related to that. So see some of those. But I also really want to be of service to people however I can, especially black women, because we don't frequently see ourselves as nomads. We don't typically see ourselves living freely in the world. And that's one of the things that has come to me the most on this trip is really enjoying seeing black people be free, seeing black kids on the beach in Durban and no one gets mad at them for being loud or being kids or making a mess or doing anything. Those are those are things that I haven't experienced in the United States that I've, I've really enjoyed experiencing abroad. And it's one thing I want to help more people experience on their own. It's like being out and being free to do whatever it is you want to do and doing living their best life on their own terms. Summing up what we talked about, I think that's one of the things that has, has really hit me this year is that I get to define what my life looks like instead of just picking something like a career or a city or a job and holding on to that until something makes me change. Now I, I can define that each day or each month, each week. And there's a real joy that comes from that. A real joy from saying like, I like who I am at this moment and I want to continue doing this tomorrow. Or saying like, no, this doesn't feel right. What's next? And so I love helping black women get free. I want to help more people experience this. That's beautiful. That's powerful. That is very powerful. And, you know, that wraps up by saying you create your reality. Period. So we have this lightning round really thing that we like to do where we just hit you with a couple of questions and you just answer it with the one word answer, right? So let's hit you off. Coffee, tea, or smoothie? Smoothie. Airbnb, hostel, or hotel? Super fancy hotel or... (laughs) (laughs) Why, Lucida? I'm, you know, I need to know more details about the housing situation. Super fancy hotel or or Airbnb, one of the two. I'd rather be really comfy and comfy or super luxe. All right, got it. Um, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Group or solo travel? Solo. Okay. Okay. Well, you was able to get those except for the hotel Airbnb. She was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Not wait, where? Super luxe or not? That's it. <laughs> Listen, because some of these hotels out here get catfish too. <laughs> They, they are catfish. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I'm too old for that. I can dig it. Thank you so Thank much you, for being with us. We awesome. truly appreciate it. All right. And taking the time out. So your gap year is now going to be an extended gap year because you've already reached your year. Yes. Yeah, I think it's like a gap life now. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say, it's like gap life. I, I'm hashtag expat life I guess I, I don't, it is what it is I've stopped trying to define it yeah. 
in ways that make sense for people instead of sort of letting people know where I am and what I've done. Because a lot of things we do, society doesn't have a term for because we're not supposed to be doing it. In like, mm-hmm. in like the eyes of the societies we've grown up in. Like we're not, like I come from a West Indian family. Like I'm supposed to have a job. I'm supposed to have like three jobs. Like what, like, what is this? And so I talked to my family. They're like, okay, sure. Right. But you know, everyone, they learn to adjust. You people love you, learn to adjust. Really quickly before we leave, because I'm from Haiti and my aunt not too long ago was like very serious too. Like, Francis, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> and I'm like, I thought I was living it, but I guess I'm not. <laughs> I guess like, so when are you going to come back? Question, And I'm kind of like, no job, no kids, no bills. When am I coming back to? Like, why do you expect me to... Oh, because you've never left. That's how you would say that. The family drama. But like that that's hard. Like you can't imagine living outside of the confines and the constraints that we build for ourselves. And so when you see someone else do it, it feels like an anomaly instead of thinking like that could be me too. Yeah. So I want more people doing the like, well, what about me? Me too. So love it. Well, let's just say on the immigrant standpoint, they did leave, right? Because you're, you yeah. were raised in America. So to them, it's like, how are you going back to these places yeah. that they literally try to leave from? Yeah. Because America tries to paint this picture of the land of the free, home of the brave. And to them, just this like, why would you want to leave? Yeah, that's my answer. So we got to look at yeah. it from both so, angles. So it's, it's a little bit of that. But mostly in my family, it's like, where is the responsibility? Like, my mama said that to me before. Like, you're not responsible for anything. And I'm like, just myself. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and that's enough. Right? And that's like, enough. Imagine that. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't have to be responsible for another human or, or a home or a car or an animal. Like, you can choose to. There's nothing wrong with the choice. But you also, like, I don't want to be judged because that's not what I want for my life right now. So, yeah. yeah, so it's more of that in my family. Not not that you're going back to these places. That like you're I work so hard for you to get ahead. Yeah, and that's that's I more of what it is. I work throwing it away. I work so hard to build this foundation for you. Not just my immediate family, but like well, the whole family has an idea. Like you leave to build a better life. But what are you doing to build the better life for your next generation is part of I think the underlying thought and the undercurrent there is you're not building for the future, but I'm 40. I don't have kids. Like I don't. I don't know if there is a future. But, I just- but you are. You're building a legacy. You are Sheeta, and you have empowered and inspired many. I'm sure to make decisions or to rethink certain things. So there's so much more that you offer to people that you would never be able to offer on a nine to five. Like yeah, I see it as like a pioneer. Oh, thank you. But until those people are my mama's grandkids, like, I don't know that she's going to see it the same way y'all do. Probably not. (laughs) But that's okay. It's okay. Like, I have to. Part of living this life outside of the norms is learning to accept being judged for living outside of the norms. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for talking Thank to me today. For sure. And continue to light up our timeline with the beautiful oh, yellows <laughs> and those big smiles. And I love the head wraps. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.